Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All working on Hunter Thompson. Oh, oh gosh. All crosses over, comes inside, puts up a right hand in it. Thompson can't guard him. Mama, there goes that man, Keyshawn Hall. Parquet back out top, Gilbert. Into Harkless, turns and shoots, 16 feet, made it, and a foul. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go to Wednesday. Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is the company as we are live on this Wednesday via the help of our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada at 766-1400. Actually, have Justin Watkins on Tomorrow, bumping him a day later from his normal day on this Wednesday. Willie's here. Ari's here. Much to get to. A lot of football rumors out there. Man, what an offseason it's going to be until the Raiders answer a lot of their questions. And guess what? We won't have a lot of answers until after the draft. There is so much going on. The quarterback rumor mill is crazy. So we'll get to all that. And, of course, we got the Final Four in the playoffs coming up in just a few days. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Our biggest news of the week is trying to figure out what's going on with Patrick Mahomes and that leg. And today we got a health update simply says, uh, this is a Jeff Howe covers the NFL. Uh, Mahomes high ankle sprain participated in the morning walkthrough. And we'll practice today. So that was from a few hours ago. Andy Reed announced that. Have you seen video out there? I'm guessing practice ain't going to be videoed. No. What do you think the Chiefs are doing here? Do you think this is real? I, well, it's definitely real. I mean, a high ankle sprain is a high ankle sprain. No, I don't mean, is, is the injury real? I mean, what do you think he did at practice? Oh, well, yeah, he he will practice today. So he did whatever he could do. They're not going to get into it. No, I don't think there's going to be footage if it's anything like, you know, um, what we went through with the Raiders during a regular season of a flop season, we got to see them stretch. I highly doubt that the media is going to be allowed to see the Chiefs practice. They probably got to see him stretch. They, pro- you know, and I'm guessing that they're putting him through certain mm-hmm. drills. Um, made a little noise there. Did you see? Well, it a, says, is, says there a vi- is there a video? Full participant at practice on Wednesday, and. Says Mahomes exited his press conference on Wednesday without either a walking boot. What? I figured he was out there in a walking boot uh, without a walking boot or a noticeable limp. Uh, Well, high ankle sprain can, you know, depending on how it's treated. Now, I'm sure that it was at its worst the day after the game, Um, especially when you take that tape. Because he went in, right? He went in, got it taped up. So it's always like, you remember, back in your... In your basketball days, Steve, you would, yeah. <laughs> Steve's showing me a video. Sorry, of distracting, walk, but I just want to. I no. love, I love what we do as reporters, yeah. especially around the NFL and how big it is and how big the money is and how big the hype is. The uh, there is a a video of just someone focused on the side of the day. It's like, Him how's walking he walking? Right. Is there a walking boot? Right. Um, the seven steps he took, he looked okay. Well, and here's the thing: it's Wednesday. Okay, so. The day of the game, it happens. They tape it up real tight to keep the compression. 
The second that you, it's, it's like when you used to play basketball and you turn your ankle, you take the high top off, what happens? It blows up. Boom. So it probably happened, and probably for 24 hours, that thing was in pain. But these are million-dollar athletes. This is an NFL team that's going to the conference championship. He's in every single day, probably getting shock therapy treatment where it generates the blood flow. It pushes all the scar tissue. It pushes the dead blood. He's going to get ultrasound. He's going to get treatment. He's going to be doing proprioception work. There's a lot of things that they're going to be doing that we can't do every single day. I got PT twice a week. I can't get in there every single day. A lot of copay to go with that. No copay for Pat Mahomes. And if there is, he can afford it. So the treatment he's getting is going to allow him. Now, here's the other thing. If they're saying, hey, do you want to do your pressure? Do you want to be available? Yeah, and I'm going to go in. He's going to go in, and he's going to walk. He's got to, all he's got to do is get in there and stand and then walk off as best as he can for about seven seconds. without. And now, once he got past the door, we don't know. But I think he's going to be fine, especially with how angry he was during that time frame of getting back in, you know, wanting to get back in, he knows his body. I forgot how helpful Willie is because of your knee issues when it comes down to these situations. Mm-hmm. Pro- Proprio Watson, what? What is that called again? That <laughs> Pro- was a minute ago. What? Pro- so proprioception work. Proprioception. Right. It's, Go it's ahead, Dr. A lot about a lot of balance, a lot of work where you see band work and they're doing lateral steps. They're working on a bochu ball to get your balance together, working on balance boards. Um, it's a lot of work to where your mind to joint, your mind to ankle, as I mentioned, rolled ankle like a basketball player. Once you do it once, you're always going to be sketchy about doing that. By strengthening with proprioception, it teaches your mind not to be so focused on it and to just have natural reaction, strengthening that all the lower extremities, so your mind works in sync with everything. You also made, I think, what could be described as a generational gaffe when you talked about basketball. This is actually a quick conversation we had during a Rebel game recently. Did you say when you play basketball, you take your high tops off and (laughs) it blows up? Yeah. Do you watch college basketball now? The conversation on the Rebel game a couple games back, John Sandler, who's you know slightly older than I am, posed the question to Curtis Terry, who's you know, three quarter st- top. Is that a, what it is? Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, it was like, John quarters. was like, "Why don't?" Because I think someone had turned an ankle. It's like, okay. "Why don't guys wear the high tops anymore?" Three quarter. And then we started. Ta- it was like the mids. Yeah. Okay. The mids. Yeah. The mids. And I. So, excuse and me I, for my vernacular was not right, but I know what they wear. And then I looked down because then I started looking at everyone's sneakers. And I was like, I don't even know if these are mids. These are like lows, yeah. which I think I would feel nervous wearing, especially with a you know, very bulky figure now. Mm-hmm. Good word for a guy. Figure. My figure. <laughs> blocky figure, not hourglass. You um, said bulky, now blocky. Then the, other, then the other thing I looked for was who had black socks on and white socks. Oh, yeah. I always thought when you played basketball, it was, it was a mind game if you wore black socks and you pulled them up high. Oh yeah, I think it. I thought I always thought it made you look less athletic. Like, look at this old jackass with the black socks up high. I like. Got the Nike I wasn't Pro athletic, fit. but I liked wearing the high socks. I have some Nike Pro Fit. I have the ones that that have an L and an R on the big toe, and I actually have to put them on the left and right foot. Okay. I had this conversation last night with the girl was over that was cleaning the house and doing my laundry. Oh wow, life of the Ramirez. Family. I just want to make Your sure my socks match. Your son with a personal clothes buyer. You're, you have cleaning people over. He has a personal That's clothes nice. buyer. Yeah. Let's talk to her on the break about the cleaning person. All right, bye. I uh, I tried to get I tried to get uh, a hookup on Adam Hill's 
We went from handyman. Holmes handyman. To- well, we're getting we're getting back to it in a second. But Adam Hill yesterday was mentioning a handyman because Darren Millard came on and was talking about he loves to do household not chores but fixes for other people. Apparently, he's been fixing a lot recently for Dave Gocher. And then he went down this list of stuff. Uh, and then during the break, Adam Hill's like, oh, I have, I have a handyman. And I was like, well, give me the digits. He's like, very complicated. I'm like, oh, it's one of those. Uh, I gave you a handyman, and you, you liked I it. I did. Yeah, he, he was, I'll say, 90% solid. Okay. A couple of things were, he was good. I, I, might, I might have to call him. I have, I have about 10 jobs backed up now. He was good. He's the official perfect gym handyman. The best part about him was that uh, from an economic standpoint, he was affordable. Yeah. That was good. But That's he did, important. He, he did a good job. That's what um, the girl was last night. Very affordable. The, the betting line now, because of the Mahomes news, has now shifted back to pick them. Last couple of days, the only thing you could get was Bengals minus one and a half. It got as high as two and a half. It's now pick. This is going to be fascinating where it goes to. I know most you know most gamblers in the books will tell you it doesn't really matter between the threes, but when it matters and when it matters at some those weeks and those games, it does matter. Excuse me, it hurts because yeah. I I laid I laid one with the Chiefs and then I saw it go to two and plus two and a half. I'm like, oh boy, well, on the wrong side on this one, and now it's going to start swinging back, especially if the news gets more and more positive about Patrick Mahomes. And I would think with the quarterbacks that we're talking about, also early in the game. Especially Zach Taylor. I would imagine that the numbers between the threes are important because it would not shock me to see some two-point conversion attempts, especially in the first half, to get that added edge. So by being up by one or down by one, pending those conversions, it could fall into play. Major big time. You heard the Rebels highlights coming in. John and Curtis, they got the job done last night against a very interesting Wyoming team. Didn't play a whole lot of defense. Why? But, man, they can shoot it. But Rebels withstood a bunch of runs and wound up winning by 14. Jeff Linder, the Wyoming coach, completely lost it down the stretch and got a attack. And there was a three-point shot that uh, E.J. Harkless got fouled on, and all of a sudden that blew open the game. We're going to talk the Rebels and where they are right now at different points in the show. But coming up, we're going to talk to a Rebel legend in Mark Wade. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Gilbert back to McCabe, over to Harkless. Harkless back to McCabe. Long three for Jordan McCabe. Is good! And that's the way the half ends. McCabe throwing in an absolute laser from about 25 feet. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Well, that's a way to end a half. Because the Rebels were leaking oil a little bit at the end of the first half. Wyoming, it's, it was a weird game. So, Rebels win by 14. They finally end the four-game Losing streak. And Willie, they're going to the half in the final two minutes. Wyoming starts bombing threes to fight back to seven. And then the Rebels didn't exactly have a whole lot of success on the uh, final 15 seconds. They were trying to run something. And Jordan McCabe is out near the logo and hits a freaking bomb. And that kind of changed momentum. But it was a really entertaining game. Some changes on defense to go over with the Rebels. It's Willie. It's Cofield. Mark Wade is with us. Of course, he knows winning basketball. 
part of the Rebel program from 1985 to 1987. He's in town, lives in Southern California. Mark, how you doing? Steve, I can't complain at all, man. Life is really good. So what did you think last night? It was enjoyable. It was fun to watch. It was nice to watch them compete. Um, you know, McKay did a couple big shots to kind of uh, change the momentum, and uh, a couple other players stepped up and made, you know, really, really good plays. And that it's just fun to watch them play um, and love to watch them compete the way they do, being such a small team. So I got to ask you, Mark, um, you, you said great being in there, changing the momentum. You know, about uh, 30 years ago, roughly, there the, when momentum changed in that place in favor of UNLV, uh, there was a different roar. What's it like when you come and visit now compared to what you sort of were used to and, and, and came back and visited uh, with the with the uh, with the roster after the Final Four team you played on, that's that's the hard part. Well, it'd be nice if these kids could feel that energy, and that was one of the things I was sitting with a couple people last night. Just the energy, like you could feel the groundswell when we'd get on a run with the crowd, and it was just just this energy that overwhelmed the other team. Um, and that's part, you know, I don't know the kids because of the size of the crowd, the kids don't get to feel that energy. Um, but it was nice to see the kids play through and kind of give the crowd a little boost by their effort. Um, but yeah, it's, as a former former rebel, it it'd be nice to see that place with eighteen thousand in it and and have those kids feel that same experience that we did. Speaking to former running rebel point guard Mark Wade, who still holds the single season assists record four hundred and six in the eighty six eighty seven season. That was the year they went to the final four. Ran up against Indiana. Um, so, Mark, I, you know, you you teach basketball on Sundays. You're not really coaching AAU, but you definitely have ties to uh, the SoCal basketball scene. You know a lot of the recruits. I'm wondering what the talk is, you know, compared to, obviously, yesteryear, when people bring up being recruited by UNLV compared to, and I'm not even going to bring up the Blue Bloods or, or the, the, the perennial powers in the top 25. Just in general, let's just talk Mountain West teams. Does it still have some sort of a, a legacy and staying power with the kids, or is that lost at this in this era? Well, I think overall, Willie, I think it's lost because people don't realize how vital it was the fact that we played Irvine, Fullerton, Long Beach State, we played, I think, five teams in the state of California. So that was technically our recruiting base. And so now I think they, they play Fresno and I think San Jose State maybe. And San Diego State. And San Diego State. So there's three schools, but playing Long Beach, Irvine, and Fullerton, it gave that L.A. that, that feel where people in L.A. got a chance to watch us. And the bigger thing was people forgot we were on television in California. Every game, every home game was on television. So that is probably what's changed the landscape with how kids see UNLV, um, how it's pictured in California overall. And, again, I think what people don't realize is Las Vegas is actually the mecca of basketball right now. USA basketball is here. Uh, the NBA Summer League's here. So I'm hoping that with that and Coach Kruger and him getting, on, getting out on the trail, that that will spark some of the top players from coming here. And I think this big NIL thing has is, is probably uh, had a bigger impact on what's going on in college basketball now. Mark Wade is with us on Cofield and Company, of course, the former Rebel. And he was at 
the game last night. So uh, to get back to the, the game specifically, I want your expertise on, on what you saw. So it was interesting. Earlier you said you like the hustle, you like the fight of this team because they're a small team. They're kind of a small team, well, one, by choice with recruiting, but two, by the choice of players they're going with. They're mostly going with a four-out, one-in. As you watched, what do you think of that? Because that is a, a much bigger uh, deal now uh, in terms of what a lot of teams around the country play. They want to have you know one big and then kind of spread the floor. Do you like that basketball? Well, see, now you're about to bring out the old old man, grumpy man sitting on his porch. <laughs> That's fine, and I and – I guess I struggle when people keep telling me it's positionless basketball. I don't believe that's true because if you keep watching, even the NBA, when games get tight, if you got guys playing out of position who aren't used to handling the ball, they don't make the plays they would when the game is easy, nobody's really checking up defensively, and then you can tell me it's positionless. But last night, I'll give you for instance, if those two big kids from Wyoming would have went in the post, yep. what could you know be done with them? The big kid number 10, I don't know his name, but he flat out could shoot the basketball. And I thought there was a couple of threes that he could have taken, but he started to get hesitant when people closed out on him. I just wish it would go back to a power forward or at least somebody who could play around the paint because eventually your jump shot's not going to fall. Then what do you do? And so we keep watching these teams take 30, 40 threes, um, and it changes the game. Harkless, to me, and I've actually spoke to Harkless' dad in the process as he was making that transition to UNLV, his mid-range game is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. But now imagine if you had a player 6'7", and I can't think of the kid's name last night, uh, big kid, might have been number 14. I don't know where he came from. But that kid's <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, that that's Keyshawn Hall. So Keyshawn has, has not played much because they were worried about what he would do defensively, but he's you know, 6'6", 6'7", 260 pounds and really skilled. Okay, so he's a definition of positionless because he's big enough to play power forward with his side, with his girth, but he's skilled enough to be a three. Right, yeah. he when he went coast to coast in the second half yesterday, I jumped off my seat and said, "Wait a minute, I have not seen that all year. Didn't know this kid was actually vital and had these skill set." And then I met one of his mentors uh, last night, and I'm like, "What do you mean he has that skill set? Yeah, he's a guard. He has guard skills, but he's big enough as Char- he's big as Charles Barkley. So that kid needs to be featured. But it, everything's become about guards, and me being a guard, that still frustrates me because I don't believe basketball is technically positionless. Coaching has changed the landscape." and set his position because, to me, it's, you don't have to do as much coaching. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, let's go through a couple things you talked about. So, first of all, Wyoming, I think you were talking about Hunter Thompson, who's you know 6'9", 6'10", but he really wants to be a stretch, and he, he doesn't want to go back to the basket, so they don't use him much uh, in the paint. I thought Wyoming made a mistake on that, and then they've got another post player in Hunter Maldonado, who's 6'7", but really their best post player is out for the year, this kid, Gray Mike. So they, they absolutely have gone to one in and – Four out. I, I just want to get your breakdown of they have been playing a, a switching man all year, UNLV has. And then finally, the, the last couple of games, it got to a point where the league had it really scouted well and they were beating it consistently. Can you talk about the difference between trying to switch all five and then maybe just going straight man to man, especially when you have a 260 pounder on the floor defensively? Well, so there's the problem for, for Hall. If we, we, if we switch all five, eventually he's going to get caught with a guy with great ball handling skills. Right. He's got great feet offensively, and I think it's more just an effort thing of getting out. But you also put a guy who's now having to guard a natural guard, somebody on the perimeter, and that's putting him in a bad position. Like I'm, I think there just has to be a combination. I don't believe as a former player that you could, should be able to do one thing the whole game because eventually I'm going to figure it out, 
and I'm going to know how to offset what you're doing. We just do one thing. Like, I believe sometimes you should trap. Like, if I'm playing against you on LV, I'm going to trap Harkless a little bit. I'm going to take the ball out of Harkless' games. I want to see if somebody else can play. I want to see if somebody else can get buckets because he's proven he's a 15 to 25 point scorer. Um, but I think anything you do consistently, a team will be at some point get a rhythm with it. That's how Wyoming got back in the game. They started to get a rhythm. They went to the pick and, pick and pop, and Thompson hit a couple shots. Uh, number one hit a couple shots. Um, they had another player who was off the dribble. The left-hand kid off the dribble last night hit some threes. Yep. But that same thing that made them get back in the game was also what, what cost them because they shot a couple air balls when they had cut it to six. And so it's, it's frustrating for me. I just don't believe that basketball should be played just one way. And it's like, let's, let's take it to the pro level real quick. You're not going to beat the Golden State Warriors back when they were in their heyday if you're just going to shoot threes because they had the best shooters in basketball in one squad. Right. But imagine if you played, I know they don't allow it, a little bump and grind, old piston style, bad boys. I would love to see that matchup. Golden State's threes, running the ball, pushing the ball up against bump and grind. If you come through the paint, you're going to get touched. Bad boy basketball. And I know they don't allow it, but to me, that's what competition is, is, is styles make fights, right? So let's, let's see if your skill set can stop mine. But if we're going to all play the same way, it's just because win, winning and losing is just predicated on whose shots are falling. And that shouldn't be what basketball is about. Yeah, I'm generally optimistic moving forward. They just went through a you know a bad stretch where they got a little bit figured out, especially in the last couple of games. And then they got you know they got beat on some weird last second shots against like Colorado State. So you know he's not exactly where they want to be after starting out unbeaten. But now I think they've got a lot of options. Uh, Hall is a really nice player, and I just wanted to build on your EJ Harkless deal because um, he's kind of a good example of what can happen in the transfer portal. Where you know some coaches look at a guy and they're like, hey, he can't be a primary scorer, and Kevin Kruger and his staff looked at Harkless and they're like, yes, he can. And the, the other thing I love about him is I don't know the last 6'4 player who, when the opposition goes to a 2-3, he can be your zone buster. I was actually thinking last night because I was there watching as the, the sideline guy, and I'm like, this is like Stevie Thompson of Syracuse, who was you know, was around uh, a little bit after you, and actually he was he was at Syracuse around the same time you were finishing up. But it is pretty unique against a 2-3 to have your 6-3 guard as the zone buster in the middle of the zone. I am really good friends with, with Steve Thompson. There you go. So, <laughs> there you go. Well, from, from, from L.A.? Yeah. Uh, went uh, to Crenshaw, right? Uh, he went to Crenshaw High School. He's a couple years behind me, but we actually played against each other professionally. Yeah. Um, and Harkless is a better jump shooting Stevie Thompson. Okay. And when you put him at the free throw line, what you've done is if you don't collapse on him from your guard, you've now put your big in a yep. bad disposition against Possibly UNLV's best player, but definitely their best mid-range scorer. And Harkless can get to the bucket and finish with both hands. So he's devastating in the middle of your zone. Devastating to a zone. Um, like I said, just watching UNLV, I, I was at the Minnesota game early in the year, and I watched Minnesota be an inch or two to three inches taller than UNLV at every position, yep. and they stayed on the perimeter. So one of the things I wish UNLV would do is play faster, even faster. And sometimes let's get up and press. You have a bunch of guards. So let's let's see if the other team physically can withstand our pressure. One of the things, and I hate to bring up Coach Tark, but one of the things he used to always say was, our pressure is something that at some point, instead of it being a six-point run, it's going to be a 20-point run because we're going to break their will. And I didn't get it until I got out of school. Now I'm coaching. And now I understand sometimes um, you can break a team's will. And that's what Arkansas used to do with 40 minutes of hell. Oh, yeah. You can break a team's will by constant pressure. UNLV plays great half-court defense, no question. I'd love to see them extended and sometimes put the other team after a free throw 
or after they made baskets, surprise them and jump on them. Mark Wade's Kinda with us. the game up. Yep. That's the voice of Mark Wade. UNLV great. Was at the game last night. So uh, you're in Vegas. What are you doing while you're here? Uh, came to see my daughter. Came to watch last night's game. And uh, my trip is actually getting cut short because I didn't realize that somebody that, that I was good friends with and actually went to Eldridge Hutchins High School. Uh, he had passed away a while ago and they funerals tomorrow. And I actually oh, got man. called as I was driving down here yesterday at the funerals tomorrow. So looks like I'm going to head back sooner than I thought. Well, that means that we won't be able to catch up, but I certainly understand. Uh, th- those were the days, obviously, with El Hud. I remember when y'all got here. I always tell the story of, of m- the very first article I ever had, ever published. Um, it's coming up in April. will be the, uh, whatever it'll be, the 36-year anniversary was the cover story on Mark Wade in the Las Vegas Sentinel Voice. And uh, it was you and I chopping it up on that in that apartment on Flamingo and Maryland. Um, and man, things have changed though. Can you, can you, uh, <laughs> can you believe when you look at, you know, driving up West Flamingo to the old tramps where now what this town looks like? I don't recognize, I come back often now because of my daughter, but, uh, it's just hard to recognize it. Every, if you miss six months, is there something new being built? And it's incredible to see these mega hotels and, um, I kind of miss the lights, though. I kind of miss coming over that hill into Vegas, and you can see all the lights back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. It was really cool seeing the lights. But uh, it's just a joy to come back. To me, this is still my second home, and uh, I'm, I'm starting to come back more often. It was, like I said, it was really fun watching last night's game. It's, it's certainly, uh, we certainly miss the days of when there were no hotel nightclubs and we could just go to the standalone places. You started your own limo company in San Pedro, Show and Go Limo. Yes, well, my, my let's say... It's, it's my baby to finance. My brother threw me in the water, bought a car, bought an Escalade, and said, go ahead and do what you do. <laughs> we just bought a second car, and uh, it's actually been an incredible experience. I've been driving limos for 12 years and been independent now for a year and a half. And like I texted you earlier, I'll actually be at the Super Bowl for nine days because I drive somebody who's connected to the halftime show. And uh, so I have to spend like nine days down in, in Phoenix getting ready for the Super Bowl. You have to. I understand. All right. Well, stop through Vegas for the Pro Bowl. We'll be here. And uh, you can show for me around all week. I got work to go. do. And so. I, actually, you know, when we're at the Super Bowl, let's give you a buzz and we'll see where the UNLV season is at that point. So we'd love to get you on the phone then. Definitely. We'd love to. And, and William and Steve, I'll definitely be back again after the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm going to come back and try to catch some of the Indy Stingers games. I definitely should be down here for the uh, conference tournament. Awesome. All right, once again. And well, we definitely need to, we definitely need to sit down and, and, and do dinner. Oh, yeah, we're going to chop it up. We'll go to Piero's. Former UNLV guard Mark Wade <laughs> from back in the day. Appreciate you coming on spending time with Cofield and company. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you guys. There he is, Mark Wade. At UNLV 85-87, one of the final four teams, and uh, you know, still very much into basketball. And uh, Sorry if I went a little hardcore on the – this year's Rebels, but he was there, and no, was you know, good. there's been a lot of discussion the last couple of weeks about the defense they're playing and the lineups they're playing. Is you know they're trying to find the right formula here down the stretch. They can make a run. Yeah, just got to play. Got just got to play a lot better defense and be more cohesive and patient on offense. Giveaway time: three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Next Thursday, we've got a special game in town. It's the ninety eighth edition of the East West Shrine Game. It benefits Shriners Children's Hospital. All of the ticket proceeds go directly to the hospital. 19 bucks is where the tickets start at the Al. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get the tickets. We're giving away two right now. 5.30 start next Thursday. 
Allegiant Stadium. Two tickets. Ari's going to hook you up for the East-West Shrine Bowl. 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 7. Today, after unnecessary roughness, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. The story's becoming better than the reality. So let's go to Jimmy Garoppolo's last four games and Brock Purdy's first four games. Garoppolo's better. <laughs> Everything except winning. They're both 4-0. Garoppolo is significantly more accurate. Garoppolo had no turnovers and a slightly higher passer rating. I'm in on Brock Purdy. I think he's done a terrific job. But this goes again to show that Jimmy Garoppolo is the most disrespected starting quarterback in this league in years. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Colin Carrot talking about Brock Purdy. Everyone's talking about Brock Purdy. You can hear Colin every day over on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Willie Cofield, we'll make sure that Mark Wade interview gets posted in our archives up at LVSportsNetwork.com. We'll send out the interview uh, by itself as well. After tonight's shows, we've had a chance to check in with a couple of the very rebels from slightly different eras and Mark Wade. And last week we talked to Everett Gray and they had a lot of a lot of chatter because both guys are very much involved in basketball about what the rebels are doing from a strategy standpoint, what the program looks like right now, what UNLV means on the recruiting trail. So look for that after the show as we'll try to have on more of the legendary rebels over the years. I want to get to VGK here. In just a second, but on the Purdy thing, yeah, I feel like there's some situations the Raiders can take advantage of with disrespected quarterbacks. That whole disrespected angle. Good job by the vast sound crew at Lotus Broadcasting, knowing where we wanted to go with this. I like the disrespected angle. I started out the week saying the Raiders need to trade for Dak Prescott. Now, I had the numbers a little bit off. He is going to make a lot of money the next two years. Like his, his contract jumps to $49 and $52 million a year. So we're, uh, we're going to get to that in about less than 10 minutes because this is massive. Whatever they do at quarterback is massive because you start thinking about the AFC and you're like, oh, my God, look at the landscape with teams and established to awesome quarterbacks. Team building is so gigantic. So speaking of that, Golden Knights. VGK has had some trouble with some of their best players and injuries. And I don't know how you predict injuries. And we've gone over this the last couple weeks. You're trying to build a foundation and some of your long-term contract guys keep getting hurt. And then the Knights are squandering opportunities. I'm not saying the Devils are some easy win, but the position you're in, you got to win that game. And down the stretch, in regulation, they can't close it out. He's in across to the right for Dougie Hamilton. An overtime hero last game. He scores! Hamilton from the right point. The Devils have tied it 2-2 with a minute 10 to go. Yikes. That hurts. Two points Here's what goes hurts. down to one. Here's what hurts but more But you could have two than... in overtime. Here's the overtime goal real quick. Okay. Penalty clock at 50 seconds. Hutton in the box for the Knights. And now a shot in the middle. Hamilton scores! All by himself straight on. Dougie Hamilton, a rifle, beats Logan Thompson. New Jersey defeats Vegas 3-2. 
even though I'm a Jersey guy. Come on. Come on, Knights. By the way, Dan Duva on the call, and that's why he was one of the top five candidates for Nevada Broadcaster of the Year. Congrats to Kevin over at Fox 5. But that's disappointing. That's disappointing. You played a good game and then fold a little bit late, Willie. What's what's really heartbreaking is that the two regulation goals by the Devils went off of Golden Knights. And those own goals are are brutal. Brutal. Because you, you have a guy like Logan Thompson who says, Oh, I, I just I just lost it. It's an unacceptable goal for me. You score in the first four minutes and the last minute. That's on me. I have to be better. No, actually. You, I, I just, I don't know because I don't play hockey, but I just feel like if you're in the way and you're deflecting goals in the net, then you're the defenseman or whoever's in there, it's on them. You know what I mean? If you're if you're deflecting it or you're trying to block it or whatever it is that you're doing, but it's not on Logan Thompson, and it's that's that's what's heartbreaking about this loss is I mean, you know the Golden Knights leading two to one. Less than three minutes apart in the second period, uh, Hutton and, and Carlson put them on top, and then and and it's just and then Dougie Hamilton with two goals. So I, you know, like you said, New Jersey's no slouch. They're they're one of the best teams. Now here's the thing, and I brought this up last week, and I keep going back to this date. The Vegas Golden Knights opened the season thirteen two and zero. At one point, they were actually number one in the league above Boston. Since November, now, November 12th, mid-November, so we're talking two months and a couple in a week, two months and a couple of weeks, points-wise, the Golden Knights are ranked 20th in the league. They're just 16, 15, and 3. Goals per game, they're ranked 22nd. They're only averaging 2.88 goals per game in their last 34 games. They played 49. That's a low-scoring game, and I get it. They've been missing some key personnel, but they haven't been missing them all at once like last year. When Eichel was out, Stone was in. Stone's out, Eichel's back. They're just not getting the production. There doesn't seem to be the chemistry, and I don't know if Bruce Cassidy has found the right combination or if you're tinkering it with too much, how are you going to let them build uh, chemistry? At one point, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill were the number one tandem in the NHL. Since in that span, since mid-November, the Golden Knights ranked 17th in allowing 3.15 goals. So they're allowing you know, less than a goal more a game, but they're on the negative side in goal differential over their last 34 games. Mm. That's alarming. And I'm not putting that on injuries. I'm putting that... Well, put it on the coaching staff. Find the right, find the right chemistry. Find the right lineups. Find the right forward lines. Yes, the injuries are going to come about, but there's, I mean, thirty-four games is a lot of games. By now, you should have figured out who can skate with whom, or, like I said, let them figure it out. You're tinkering every couple of games. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll skate this person with Jack Eichel and Chandler Stevenson, and it's always changing. How are they ever going to find the rhythm? So, yeah, they better figure it out because I'm not sure how long Mark Stone's going to be out. Emily Kaplan, ESPN, reported uh, at least through the All-Star break, 
at least through the All-Star break. So they've got to adjust, and they better adjust quickly. If you're looking for two hours of hockey talk on Wednesdays, Fox Sports Las Vegas, our sister station, uh, BGK Insider Show, live on the road every Wednesday moving forward at the Underground Lounge inside OEO Las Vegas. That's the old uh, Hooters location. San Remo as well. Used to love the San Remo, but um, OEO, Underground Lounge, Ryan Wallace, Ryan the Hockey Guy on the scene, along with uh, Darren Millard, who's coming in from New York. Well, he's going to be broadcasting from New York. He's not coming in from New York just for the show. Uh, they'll have a chance to uh, win a pair of tickets to an upcoming VGK game. Four to six, Oyo, check out the VGK Insider Show on the road with Ryan the Hockey Guy. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Big winner of the uh, Shrine Bowl tickets. Thursday game here at the Owl. The beneficiary of uh, the game and all the uh, ticket sales is the Shriners Hospital. So get out there, buy your tickets. They start at 19 bucks. College All-Star game. Last year, Brock Purdy played in the game. We all got to interview him. Impressive kid. I didn't think he'd get drafted. Then he's Mr. Irrelevant and... Look at where he is now. We're going to get to more of Purdy and the Niners, and if they can keep this rolling, or is this kid finally going to have a game where you're like, oh, boy, there it is, Mr. Irrelevant. It just it all ran out. So at the top of the heap, we got a crazy list of quarterbacks in the AFC. We're going to get into the what the Raiders need to do to keep up with the Joneses because it's pretty tough right now. But Willie wanted a rank. You love ranking. Willie wanted to rank the final four quarterbacks. Here's my rankings until I see Patrick Mahomes warm up on Sunday and run around at like 80%. These are my rankings going into the weekend with the remaining quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, one. Jalen Hurts, two. Brock Purdy, three. Patrick Mahomes, the fourth quarterback going into this weekend. Because I don't know where he is from a health standpoint. I'm not going to... Just go off of, hey, full participant in practice, and we got seven steps off the dais, and he didn't limp, and he didn't have a walking boot on. So what are your rankings? You know, it's funny that you took it that way. I did not necessarily think about it going into the weekend. Like, this weekend? No, I, under- I no. understand that. What I meant is just like on the whole, here's the final four quarterbacks. It's How little, do you rank them? It's a little Cofield twist. Oh, I, I know. You twist everybody. It's a little little twist. There's no little twist with you. It's a twist of the arm behind the back like a bully on the schoolyard at recess. Him. Going into this weekend, Mahomes is fourth. Unless I know he's like okay, 80%. If, if, if that's what we're talking with injury involved, I'm with you, but I'm flopping. Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. Oh, come on. I'm gonna go you crazy? Step, it's Mr. Irrelevant. I'm going to go a step further behind you from, okay. from the East-West Shrine game, which I brought up. I remember when... Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Dorian Thompson-Robinson were quarterbacks who were all invited to the Elite 11 in Beaverton, Oregon at the Nike headquarters. Top 11 quarterbacks, then they get their tight ends to come, they get some skill position players to throw to. 
Justin Fields was crowned the champion. But I remember the seven-on-seven pylon championship out at Heritage Park. You know who won it? Mystery relevant. Because nobody knew who he was outside of Arizona. He brought the Tucson turf here, and they smoked the field. Little Brock Purdy. Little old Brock Purdy. Just little, not old. This story for USA Today for uh, on, on the championship game. A little background on I mean, so you guys go way back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah we're chummy. We're so chummy <laughs> that back then. Why he, just run with it? He was. In, Why do you have to you blow it up? You could have. You could have added the story. We broke bread. No, because we. I have his phone number. It's not my style. Okay, that's not my style. Um, I wish. Believe me, I, I keep telling the story of. I just happened to be in Newport Beach on a quick vacation last July, and I look up at Mutt Lynch's. And it's like, welcome, Mr. Irrelevant. He was doing an event at at some bar in Newport. You saw that, and you thought <laughs> that they were talking to you. No, there's no need for that. We had a nice hour. <laughs> oh, see, you can take shots. No ball busting. You can take shots. But I'm kidding. So yeah. with Purdy, though, here's the funny thing. <laughs> Why are you going to be like talk that? About, talk, about, talk about breaking balls. This kid, he wasn't really... Heralded outside of Arizona, major. I mean, some people knew who he was. So I started, I wrote about him. I mentioned him, so on and so forth. He followed me on Twitter. We followed each other. I would see some highlights. That following gear, Arizona. Got some Arizona prep reporters. Kid made a big time Iowa State. He unfollowed me. Left me in the lurch. Can you imagine if we, if we, if we did break bread? I'd be able to, hey, BP, what up? I need you on the show. Let's do it. So you realize you asked me to rank the quarterbacks in the Final Four, and I ranked the NFL MVP, Patrick Mahomes, fourth. But again, I'm basing it on the injury. He has been named by the PFWA, the NFL MVP. What is the PFWA? That is the Professional Football Writers Association. The standard to join is what? Money? Pretty much. Okay. Well, you have to – no, actually, you do have to go through a pro- – like the, the PHWA, the Professional Hockey Writers Association, mm-hmm. pay your dues, you're in. There's no background check. All right. There is a little so bit the, of a background so who check. Was, with, who was the guy in Colorado who was cursing at the uh, abs after the, they lost? Um, Dropping F-bombs on him? I'll have his I name. I forgot his name, too. I, I'll have his Adrian name. something? Hey, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so with the PFWA, I'm not I'm not trying to crap on you guys, I'm sure. There is a background. Nine, there nine, is a little bit of a background okay. check. Because I, uh, I noticed – I, I was chatting with well, something was going on on Twitter where someone was complaining about not being able to get credentialed. Uh, you know what it was? Uh, the claim was that all you guys who go out there, and I, I go out to the Raiders facility every once in a while, but not like you guys. You're there every day. That you guys are all afraid to ask tough questions because you'll have your credentials pulled. And I was like, yeah, that's, that doesn't happen. I, mean, I think there was one person penalized this year, but they had crossed the line pretty badly. I'm like, man, the Raiders really aren't like that. And the, then someone else jumped in. They're like, well, we can't get credentialed. And then I look it up. It's the Raider Ramble. And on the description, that's the Twitter handle. On the description, it says PFWA member. So when I saw the PFWA honors coming out the last couple of days, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I do know that they, they check. I believe they ask and they check. So the Raiders themselves have tougher standards than the PFWA. Yeah, probably, yes, without a doubt. That's, that's for sure. not to crap on the uh, the honors coming out, but Dylan Parham, third-round pick of the Raiders, actually was honored at, on the all-rookie team. So that's a good thing. But yeah, Mahomes is the MVP according to the writers. These writers. Good for him. He's going to lose this weekend, but... Oh really? 
No. Strong words going to the four o'clock hour. Very interesting. I'm on the Bengals. I haven't wagered yet, but I am. All right. I think we're going head to head, my friend. I like the Bengals. I like the Eagles as of right now. Letting the cat out of the bag. You are looking for a Chiefs 49ers rematch. I know you. Next hour, we get Willie's TV update. Really? Ginny in Georgia? What, what show is this? You love the show.